Blog Talk Radio. Introducing Poetry Up. Hosted by the lovely, the angelic poet.
original poetry after dark. We are spotlighting the Giovanni myself tonight. That's right. A girl that's in the house, and if you don't know her, you're going to love her. You're going to love her. Night, though. You're going to love her. Trust that. All right, what's up, Chief? What is today? Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Feeling good. Indeed. I'm so excited. How about you? Don't know why we excited. You know why we excited? Mm-hmm. We gotta bring our guests on. All right, Miss Giovanni Marcel. Peace, poetry, and prismatic dreams, people. Peace. I know I sound like you too, but you wake up in the morning. I'm sorry. I've been fighting laryngitis and bronchitis. I am not your Poor man. Baby. I am female. <laughs> Poor baby. Poor baby. Feel better. That bronchitis is a kicker. I know. All right, Miss Giovanni. How are you feeling tonight? Other than the bronchitis. Other than bronchitis, I'm good. I'm good. I was told to uh, chillax until the show, and so that's what I did. I took the the advice of the host and the instructions <laughs> that were given to me, and so I chillaxed until the show. There it is. All right. Oh, girlfriend, I was reading your bio, and... Wow. That's all I can say is like wow. And what amazes me is that um you shared it with me. You know, a lot of people it's not that forthcoming with their life. And um Giovanni says she's an open book. You know, if you wanna know something about her, just ask and she's gonna let you know. Most definitely. It's time for people to start telling the truth. Because without the truth, we're just going to keep doing the same things we've been doing. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Mm-hmm. That's a real talk. Um, wow. Giovanni has been writing since she was nine years old. Oh, my goodness. How did you, um, how did that come about? Did you just pick up the pen decide you want to start writing? Or was it a situation that led you to write? Um, I tell everybody, I started writing because that was my way of coping with life. Um, You know, I tell people all the time my gift is a gift from God. He writes them and I type them, and that's just how it works. Um, At nine years old, you know, I had gone my entire life with my mom in and out of my life. She was a junkie and uh, had been with my grandparents, really didn't have anything stable. My mom would show up. She would take me for a day, two days, a month, and then I wouldn't see her again for a year. So I had to find some way to cope, and that was my way of coping. And, and, you know, I thank God that he gave me that gift because without that gift, I don't think I would have made it. Mm. I can relate to that. I, I truly can. Oh, my goodness. Um, How far... Well, I guess I guess I can dig in. I mean, it talks about in in her bio about the 
being in that particular area with the gang banging and, and, and your kids going through what they went through, um, wow. I mean, wow. To be able to, to go through all that and still remain whole, that's commendable right there. So a lot of people cannot cannot deal with that type of stress. And I noticed that you also stated that you you, you haven't even done a CD or, or a book yet because you're focused on helping other people, trying to raise up the next person. We don't get a lot of that, especially in our in, in spoken word. Everybody usually is out for themselves, you know, and I noticed that about you. I've been, you know, noticing how you how you work and how you do, how you handle yourself outside of the BTR area. You're good. So um, talk to us about um, when you met up with, uh, I can't think of his name right now, but um, I want to say Tribal Rain and, and, and the crew. Max Parsons. Um, Max Parsons and I met a long time ago. Prismatic Dreams started as a board, which most every um, online spoken word community started as. Just a board, a place for people to post up their work and receive criticism from their fellow poets. Um, And so that's how we met because Prismatic Dreams started out as a board. And over the years, we went from having a board to uh, meeting up with other people who had boards. And, you know, we went from there to recording people and sending. Um, back whenever we first started, it was audacity that we would send to people for free to be able to record themselves at home and post their audios on um, the board for everybody to listen to and, and give constructive criticism. We had Eventually, we had a core of eight producers, um, in-house producers, and 10 to 12 outside producers as far away as Germany. And um mm. We went from that to going on tour to meeting up with the best of the best. And I can honestly say we've been with the best of the best. Um, Tamika Harper, Georgia Me, is one of my best friends. Abby Odun Oyewole is one of the most amazing people that I have ever met in my life face-to-face. But Amiri and Amini Baraka, um, I met them through... Um, actually running the session um, Cypher, which is now a live show um, every second Tuesday of every month in two different cities, one in South Carolina and one in California, um, for Prismatic Scenes. And I can honestly say, you know, dealing with Max and Tribal all these years, we've become a close family. We see each other at least twice a year. And... um, it's been amazing, you know. We've we've done a lot of things that some people just wish they could do, and that's why it doesn't bother me that I don't have a CD, that I don't have my book written, that I don't put myself out there like that because I feel like that I have been in the midst of living legends, and so what my job is is to educate, elevate, and enlighten. And when I'm educated by our founders and our forefathers then I feel like that I can do my job. Mm. Wow. Oh, I like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Um, talk about some of the, the places that uh, you perform. 
Oh, goodness. Um, let's see. I've been in South Carolina at three or four venues, um, the Red Tub, which literally had a red bathtub in the oh, venue. Wow. Um, you went into the bathroom, and it was funny because everybody used to go in the bathroom and hop in the tub and take pictures, you know, group pictures inside the red tub. <laughs> um, and, and that venue was um, through Phoenix Tongues, and they uh, stopped that venue a couple of years ago, stopped doing it. Um, I've been in Augusta, I've been in Atlanta, I've been in Mobile, I've been in Birmingham, I've been in Nashville, I've been in Kansas City, which is where I was living um, for a while, met Dana Gilmore, became really good friends with her. I mean, just amazing, amazing places and people in um, Texas and Houston. I mean, there, there's just been so many places. I I really can't name them all. It's just, it's been crazy. I've been asked um, to do shows with Grammy winners like Grits. Um, Bonafide from Grits is one of my best friends, and he used to come to Kansas City and scoop me and my boys up and say, hey, you want to go to a show? And the next thing I knew, I was doing all-weekend, you know, shows with them, opening up for them, and, and out of those shows would come other requests for me to do things and I've I've done everything from outside shows, live venues, conferences. I mean, there's really not too much that I have not been blessed to be able to do. Indeed. Well, you know I got I got to say this. I did not get that track I wanted to get. Um, is there any chance that we're going to be able to hear that in the future? Uh, in the future, yes, but tonight, probably not. <laughs> oh, I know, I know not to ask for tonight. I already know. I understand. <laughs> but I got to be on the list. Lisa, get it for later. <laughs> yes, you can get it for later. <laughs> Thank you so much, dear. Thank you. Okay, guys, I'm going to take a quick break, and we're going to put- Bring back uh, Giovanni Marcel, and we're going to talk a little bit more in the interview, and we're going to definitely get her to sit. We hope she can hang in with us. We ain't going to put her on her too hard. We're not going to put it on you too hard. <laughs> hey, hey you've been quiet over there. I'm listening. I'm interested. I'm sorry. I'm, I got all involved. Like, I'm just, I'm just listening. <laughs> I got you. Let me do all the work. I got you. Of we'll course. be right back, y'all. <laughs> Like a cool breeze on Hear the sound of five drummers in the wind 
Original poetry after dark featuring Giovanni Marcel. Mm-hmm. I always check out the music part and put poetry in the song. Your poetry, that that's a good song, right? Yeah, I like it. Mm-hmm. All right. So, um, Giovanni, have you ever uh, recorded anything with the poets out there? 
time I have recorded some things, you can go to our stage and look up Giovanni Marcel Poetry. There's some tracks there, and um, you can pretty much just Google Giovanni Marcel, and you're going to get about 200 pages with videos and some tracks and 12 different languages, things I don't even know how to read. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I know that's right. <laughs> I would say, wow. Um, so your bio say that you were into doing activist work when you were 14. What was what was the interest at 14 that made you want to get involved in doing activist work? And what were you doing? Ooh, I was put in state custody when I was 13 years old because, as I stated before, my mother had her, um, had her issues that she went through and she was in and out of my life. And at one point in time, when she came back into my life, it became a real issue. And so um, I was put into state's custody. And being put into state's custody at that point in time, everything um, hinged on what the parents said. It, It had nothing to do with what had gone on with the children, you know, what kind of evidence you had, no nothing. Your child was either bad or they were criminally insane. And um, every child that was in state's custody at that point that I knew, every group home that I had been to, there was everybody was on some kind of medication. You know, we were all we were all sick. There was something wrong with us, and uh, we we were either bipolar, or we were depressed, or you know whatever the case was. And so, the um, in the state of Tennessee, they had us in the foster care system to write essays. Um, and out of those those essays, they actually took 10 people um, from the country to Washington, D.C. to speak on behalf of the children in foster care. And so that was my first activist mission. Um, I actually got to go through the state of Tennessee and go and be on this panel for the children in foster care. And, of course, in the time that I was in foster care, I didn't get to see the results of that, but as the years went on and knowing people who had children in the foster care system who were in the foster care system after me, I saw those things change some from what we were trying to do when I was 14. Even to this day, some of the things that we talked about back then have been changing. And so, you know, it may have taken a long time, but at least I finally did get to see the fruit of those seeds that I planted when I was 14. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, are you doing the activist work now? I'm sorry? Are you, doing, are you still involved with that now? Are you doing activist work now? Um, I do activist work with a lot of organizations. Um, I'm Native American, and right now, at Pine Ridge Reservation in South Dakota, there's a war going on, and um, that war is fighting for the rights of our elders. And right now our elders at Pine Ridge Reservation are um, occupying the seniors' building there. They've been occupying that building for about two weeks now, and they're making demands that they be treated with more respect and they be um, given food the way that they're supposed to be given it and, be, you know, being cared for. And 
it, it's a it's a shame of what's going on at Pine Ridge Reservation, not just for the elders, but um, for everybody. Dwayne Martin Sr., who has been an activist for years there, was put in jail, and he was denied bond without even having a hearing today. Um, and that was after they had put his, his bond hearing off and delayed it, saying that they had too many people, you know, to see to bring him back in there. And it's just ridiculous. You know, I tell people all the time, and I have a piece called Who Am I, which is, you know, that'll be the first piece that I do for you. And it talks about us as Native Americans being on the list of people who just fade away. And what people don't know is we as Native Americans don't all get checks. We as Native Americans don't all have extra benefits. The majority of us are the ones who fade away. And, you know, nobody really knows what type of conditions people live in on the reservations. The reservations are just Native American ghettos, and and they're worse than any ghettos that I've ever lived in. And, you know, it's time that people step up and see what's happening to the Native Americans and to our elders. Our elders are the only glimpse of hope that we have right now. They're the only ones that are standing tall and standing strong, and some of these people are in their 90s and they're in the middle of an occupation right now, occupying a building and living inside of that building to demand rights for the other elders that are coming up behind them that may be 80 or 70 or 60, you know, and and it's time for us to start treating our elders with respect. Mm -hmm. Wow. That was on uh, another show that you were on, another blog talk show, you were speaking about being a Native American and, I only ask that question so other people can know, you know, what you're involved in. But I remember being on the show and you were talking about how they were trying to bring things onto the reservation that were against, you know, what they wanted to do on the reservation and they were trying to block the, the way. Mm-hmm. You talked about that and telling people to be aware. I remember that. Most definitely. You know, and if you, I don't know if I put it in the bio and all right, but I worked with, Quiet storm of spoken words. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm sorry. Um, we have built a community center prototype on paper, of course, um, to start building community centers across the country for communities that are too small to have the nationally funded um, programs like Big Sister, Big Brothers and Big Sisters, YMCA, and things like that. So the communities that are too small to have those programs that are large enough to have the problems that um, are, that those programs are supposed to combat. And um, so we got that on paper, and we've, we've been working on this for a couple of years now. And we're doing everything that we can to try to get um, people involved with that. You know, these programs that we're trying to put in place, the community center is truly going to be a community center. It's not going to be a place for them to go play basketball, which is what most of our community centers are. In, in lower poverty neighborhoods And what we're trying to do Is we're trying to bring in feeding programs And domestic violence shelters And life coaching And financial coaching And you know truly teach people How to become independent And how to become free And like I said before In other interviews Freedom is not free We don't have freedom In all reality we have no freedom at all And the only way that we'll ever have any freedom Is to educate ourselves and, you know, we can't be educated through programs that are designed to keep us down and to keep us 
you know, to keep us running in a circle. And so that's what we're trying to do with these community centers, this community center prototype that we put together. And what we need are grant writers. We need business plan writers. Um, Sean Bay was going to write our business plan, and he still would. But he's in Japan right now trying to help, you know, the Japanese people to to be able to come back from the tragedies that have gone on over there. And so, mm-hmm. therefore, we need somebody else to step in and to say, hey, we'll write the business plan. We will write the grant, and we're not going to charge you to do this because, you know what, I don't get paid to do what I do. I don't get any money to do what I do. I'm a single mother of five who lives on a very, very limited income, and I, I reach out and I, I touch people one one little bitty step at a time, and that's all I'm asking other people to do. If you have the ability to write grants, if you have the knowledge on how to write grants, how to write business plans, then get in contact with us. It's not hard to find me. Like I said, you can Google Giovanni Marcel, and you can find plenty of ways to get in contact with me. And on every show that I do, I give my phone number. I don't mind giving my phone number out because my phone number comes with a disclaimer. I'm not playing. I'm not about games. I'm about the truth, and I'm about people who want to make a difference. If you don't want to make a difference, then I'm not the one that you want to deal with. There you go. And there there you go. <laughs> and get that hurt. Number come with a disclaimer. I'm going to have to use that <laughs> probably in a different context, but I'm definitely using it. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. Okay. What inspires Giovanni? Everything around me inspires me. My life inspires me. The fact that I can say that I have beaten the statistics and the people who were with me in foster care, the lady who was my foster care worker is still working here in my hometown and as a foster care, um, the one of the directors. And she told me, and she still continues to tell me every time she sees me with my five children out in the community that, I have beaten all statistics. I'm a, I'm a domestic violence survivor. I'm an addiction survivor from my mother. You know, I'm a, I'm a motherless survivor, and there's a lot of people out there who don't have parents that are not able to bounce back and become productive members of society. I've been jailed between the ages of 13 and the age of 26. I was jailed 29 times, you know, and I came back from that. Yes, I was institutionalized, and I, I, I became to know the truth and learn the truth and educate myself with the truth to where I'm not in that setting anymore. I'm not selling dope anymore. I'm not doing all the things that are expected of me anymore because of the way that I was raised, or should I say not raised, by parents. And I was not shown love, but I'm able to give it. And, you know, so those are the things that I've beat as far as statistics are concerned. And so that inspires me that I was able to beat those statistics, that I was able to be given the gift of strength. And, you know, people don't understand this is not anything about what I've done. I didn't do this because, you know what, there's days that I can't get up. There's days that I'm depressed and I don't feel like facing this world. And, you know, so it's not me that does it. 
It's all by the grace of God, and nobody understands how much a higher being, how much the great spirit, God, whoever you want to call him, Allah, whatever you choose to call God, God is God. And, you know, I just I, I just feel like that without God there would be no me at this point in time, and there would definitely not have been um, the ability to beat those statistics. So that's what inspires me. Everybody who's going through something, you know, everything around me, the the injustices and and things like that. That that's what inspires me. So you you, you talk about you know that you you came over to all of these things. So what you, what was the changing point? At what point did you say in your life, you know, I don't I don't want to be like this. I want to change. I want to I want to do more with my life. I don't want to be a part of this statistic. Really, because I I realized that I didn't have to be. Um, you know, at the age of at the age of ten, whenever my little brother was born, and my mom showed up and she said, "Hey, guess what? I'm pregnant and I'm getting married, and I want you to come and live with me." And from that point until the point where I was put in state's custody, I had no other choice but to sell dope because I had to raise my little brother. I had no choice whenever I got married but to continue doing what I was doing because my husband was an alcoholic and he was an abuser and I was raising three, you know, three stepchildren and then we had two children. And, you know, just the fact that I finally woke up and realized that I didn't have to live that life, that I could reach out to other people and I could change things one small step and one small person at a time. And when I woke up and realized that, it was it was just like okay you know what now you can start your life now you can get out of that rut and out of that circle that you've been going through and you can start your life and it's hard it, it's it's very hard as a single mother of five and if I were to tell people the type of income that I have every month most people would fall on the floor and and say you know what I, I just don't get it and there's a lot of months that I don't get it. You know, but once again, by the grace of God, I'm, I'm able to keep my head above water. And that's what I want people to realize and I want people to understand that spoken word and your story and your testimony and, and your art and your gift and everything else that you have is not about you at any point in time. Quit being so self-centered and stop worrying about when your time is going to come and start worrying about the fact that your time is already here and your time means that it's time for you to reach out for somebody else. Mm-hmm. That's right, Preach. girl. Wow. <laughs> Say that. Yeah. Oh, goodness. You know, I'm going to take a break. How do you feel? Yeah, oh, okay. I'm, sorry. I'm sorry, Chief. If you got another question, go ahead. So how do you feel your gift, your poetry, you know, help aid in and you know, you getting through everything. <clears throat> because like I said, that's my poetry <laughs> is the way that I deal with everything. If you wanna know about my life, listen to my poetry because my poetry is about everything that I've been through. <laughs> Excuse me. Every um every hard situation that I go through I write about and my poetry is not just for me to be able to write it down and walk away from it, 
but for me to write it down and share it and show people that somebody else has it worse than you. You may think that you have the worst situation in the world, but at some point in time, somebody else has had it worse than you, and they've walked away from it. And so it's time for you to get up and do something. And so I believe that that's what my poetry does for me. It gives me the ability to get up and to walk away from it. So you've always been honest in your poetry. You've always spoke straight from, you know, your life experience or was it a point where you said, you know what, I want to write about about my life. And just no. that I write about is straight from my life. It's straight from things that have happened, um, mm-hmm. you know, places that I've been, people that I've seen, situations I've been in, situations that I've seen around me. You know, there is my poetry. There is no fairy tale in my poetry at all anywhere. I want to hear nine-year-old Giovanni. I want to know what nine-year-old Giovanni Marcel was writing about. I want to hear one of those poems. Nine-year-old Giovanni Marcel actually still has um, a folder of poetry in the uh, filing cabinet, and nine-year-old Giovanni Marcel was writing about hating white people and hating being a Native American and hating mm. having to live and listen to the slurs and, and everything else because she was Native American. And, mm. you know, about the things that white people did to my ancestors and to my family and my grandfather. And, you know, I go back and read those sometimes. And, you know, nine-year-old Giovanni Marcel was writing about, you know, daddy never comes to pick her up and, Mama only shows up when she's out of dope and, you know, writing letters to my grandmother who was raising me, and she still has some of those in frames on her wall, you know, in her house where I wrote me calligraphy. Because, you know, at nine, I was learning calligraphy. I thought I was a stuff. You know, watch this. I'm going to write this. (laughs) You know, she put them up on the wall. They're still there, you know, and so it's just amazing when I go back and I read those things to see how far I've come, not only as a poet, a spoken word artist, an activist, but as a person, you know, to be able to see the the change from nine to thirty six. Yeah, that's beautiful. Amazing, amazing. Wow, I can I, I can truly relate to a lot uh, of where you coming from, Giovanni, and you actually just. Brought a lot of things in my memory back up front. It's like wow, I, I so feel what you went. Some of the things you went through, I can understand that. And a lot of people take these situations and use them as an excuse to just be a horrible person. One day, yeah. maybe um, I can have the courage, such as like you, and to be able to give my testimony. I'm just so not ready yet, but boy. If, if people just will sit back and take a look and, and try to figure out, or you know, just listen of how other people can be going through other things, you never know a person's true story. But, you know, you shouldn't judge them because you never know. That could be that same person you'll need one day. That's all right, true. I tell my kids all the time, you know, and I tell other people all the time, when you run up on somebody in on the street or in your business or 
you know, on the bus, wherever you run into people and you see somebody with their face scrunched up and they look like they're mad at the world and, and they have a chip on their shoulder and they have an attitude, don't don't present that person with an attitude back because you don't know what that person is going through today. You don't know mm-hmm. that that person might not have just gotten evicted from their home or that that their mother just passed away or that their child is, is putting them through hell. You don't know what that person is going through. So let's stop mm-hmm. If we could just stop meeting each other with an attitude because what we see on the outside and start trying to get up to the inside of each other, then we would have a better world. If one person every day would just meet somebody without an attitude that they think has an attitude, then we could change things. Hmm. That's a powerful line right there. Close, right? Close. I wish I could put the show yeah. on the on the bullhorn right now. Man, if you're listening and you're in, your, in the chat room, go ahead and tweet the show. This is Giovanni Marcel on Poetry After Dark. We're going to be right back up. And when we come back, she's going to hit the mic. I know y'all waiting on that. <laughs> I am. I know you are. <laughs>
the original poetry after dark featuring Giovanni Marcel. It has been a wonderful interview. Thanks to all that tuned in tonight. Shout out to the chat room. Those of you online, we're going to open up with uh, her spitting. She's going to spit, hmm, maybe about four pieces of us, hopefully. And we're going to open up the mic for the fellow poets to come grace the mic and show respect and say what's up to Giovanni Marcel. All right, Giovanni. I'm ready. <laughs> the flow is yours. All right. Well, I just want to, I've been having a conversation with Nisi on the side, and I just wanted to say I have reached out to um, teens over the years, and I spoke at juvenile facilities for a while to show these kids that just because you came from a bad situation doesn't mean that you have to stay in one. And I have girls to this day who from 10 years ago when they see me can give me my motto that I gave them to write down and that is that your present situation is not your future destination unless you choose it to be. And so I want it. I would just everybody who's listening. I just want y'all to remember that, and I want you to pass it on to somebody that you see, some child that you see that may have an attitude, that may be considered one of the bad kids, and tell them that your present situation is not your future destination unless you choose it to be. And I guarantee you in 10 years when you see them again that they'll be able to tell you that because for some reason that hangs on with them. So the piece I'm going to do is called Who Am I? And this is basically who Giovanni Marcel is. You look at me and think, what would she have been through? Do you want me to stereotype you? Look at this Native American that looks white with an Italian name. Someone who doesn't do this poetry for a name or fame. The one who came miles and miles to tell you the truth has spent just as many hours as you in the booth and tell me what you think. Who was the last person you knew who was 11 years old and her story was told on every block in the hood? The one whose life was no good because her mama was a junkie and she became a flunky for the government and never even knew. Oh, is that all I was talking about you? No, I'm talking about me. And no, you may not see how I've been through many things, but that is what the glory of God brings. Restoration from the situation that life deals. I'll come to you real as I know how, and I'm not going to bow to be the person you want me to be. I'm the in-your-face poet. Yeah, that's me. I do kick it with prismatic dreams. I am part of the team, and when you stream the poetry that's opening your eyes, don't expect lies to come out of my mouth. I will tell you the truth about every step of my youth, how I grew up, and that may not mean much to you, but I had gone through more than any fake-ass rapper. See, I was one of the original trappers. I've been a trap star, rap horse, stripper, gripper, whole pimp, statistic, had my guns run against ballistics. Locked down, locked up, parole, probation, petition, subpoena, put on house arrest. Had bounty hunters on my trail. My bed made up waiting for me at the jail. You see, I didn't get a roll when I walked in. I had a penthouse suite in LD4. You know, the place where they only open the door once a day and then you can only pray that they will give you five minutes to take a shower. No, I were out of the cell like the rest of the heifers in the jail, all because they set me up. But you got the nerve to buck up and step to me like, what does this white girl know? I've been in more crack houses and safe houses. Had to fight my mama's spouses over a piece of crack. Government had a track on me from the get-go. How many people you know had the TBI land in their yard and wasn't able to pull the race card because they look white? When was the last time you had to prove to the government what your race was. I am the minority who looks like the majority, and because of that, I can't really be me. But I'm going to be what you see when you open your ears and close your eyes. Get rid of that disguise that's covering the lies. See, people like me die every day. 
We got to pray that the man doesn't say we just don't exist. See, we on the list of the ones who just fade away. So I stand before you today as a Native American poet trying to show you that no matter what you see, you should get to know me. Hear what I have to say. Because there may be a day that my truth will save one of your youth. It may be your little sister, brother, or you. I stand here telling you the truth, and you've got the nerve to close your ears and turn your head because you see someone of a different color talking about what happens in your hood. But it's all good, because I'm going to keep coming back. Taking up the slack of the people want to act like they don't have a voice. Become ignorant by choice. And it all begins by the prejudice you've been fighting against your whole life. Don't get it twisted. I'm not white. I'm prismatic. Blackfoot, Iroquois, German, and Cherokee, that's me. But if you didn't know it, above all, I'm the in-your-face poet. So hear me. Feel me. Hate me now, need me later, because I do this for all the haters, the lovers, the fathers, the mothers, and most of all, I do this so the next generation will know that there was someone who was willing to tell the truth. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Oh, wow. I'm sitting here typing in the chat room because that that line that she said, hate me now and need me later. What? Oh, my goodness. And that's, you know, a lot of people don't like it because I spit the truth and I don't care. You know, I tell a lot of people to stop calling themselves spoken word artists because a spoken word artist is an activist and they don't like that. And I really don't care because, like I said, I've been in the presence of the living legends and our four founders, and I know what being a spoken artist is supposed to be about, and I, I live that every day. So if you don't like me for saying that, then take a look at yourself because there's something that you're doing that's not right. Mm-hmm. That's my girl right there. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. another one. Ready for another one. All right. We got I still cry. This piece is about all the situations that I've dealt with in my lifetime that not only did I deal with personally um, in my life, either myself or someone around me, but that I see on TV. And so I still cry. I still cry. When I hear the stories of three-year-old girls and five-year-old boys being killed by their parents, Watching lying murderers on television begging for the safe return of the child, they just watch die. Listen to them scream and cry, beg for their life and wonder why mommy is watching daddy or stepdaddy or boyfriend kick her in the stomach, beat her in the head, and just before she takes her last breath, mommy says, I'm sorry, I tried. I still cry. When I see teenagers with cuts and scars from self-mutilating because they don't know any other way to get rid of their pain, sitting quietly behind closed doors, winking in pain as they cut around the vein, not trying to eradicate their own lives, just wanting to know they're still alive, manifesting the pain on the outside because they can no longer feel on the inside. I still cry. When I hear of a child who was raped, only to get pregnant and not know. Then she has to endure the shame of labor in a bathroom stall, not knowing what to do, so she watches as her child struggles to breathe and as her baby takes its last breath. The only thing she can think of is how she's going to hide the body, clean herself up and pretend like this never happened, so she won't shame her parents. 
I still cry. When I hear the stories of stillborn babies to parents who thought they would never have a child, everything is going well, and then there's no movement, no heartbeat. But the baby still has to be born. The mother holding the lifeless baby, looking at ten perfect fingers and ten perfect toes, a perfect little face, perfect little nose, knowing that she will leave the hospital tomorrow and not even be recognized as a mother by the law. I still cry. When I think of the woman and the man I held in my arms and tried to keep alive until the paramedics came, both victims of senseless violence, and I never even knew their names before I was holding them in my arms and looking in their eyes as they tried to stay alive, hoping and praying the whole time that I was doing all I could to help them. Then, going to the funerals and seeing their mothers walking the longest walk they would ever have to take to see their child one last time before they close that casket. I still cry when I think of how this country leaves veterans and families and disabled people in the cold, homeless, nowhere to go, begging for change just to have a meal today, living in abandoned buildings, being looked at as if it was their choice they lived this way, day after day, hoping and praying that someone somewhere will notice them and try to help. They're dying more and more each day until it's finally over and their names are not even known when the news reports. Homeless person found dead in alley. No foul place suspected. I still cry. Or at least I try not to lose my compassion, my love, my concern, or myself in the present time. Where our children sit and watch the news and see dead bodies lying on the ground. CSI, FBI files, cold case, 24 hours, the first 48, laying it all out for everyone to see. Someone's child shot multiple times and they showed the corpse on that same TV where my children sit and watch cartoons of people being their shot and their bodies lying on the ground for all to see. Desensitization instead of realization and now they are only bodies, no longer people, no longer mothers and sons, sisters and brothers, fathers and uncles. They are now just news, just a good shot for good TV, for good radio. I still cry, and I thank God that I do. The question is, do you? Girl, y'all, she be making me need to take a break. I know we ain't got a lot of time, but, man, I got to compose myself. Have mercy. Yeah, you have you have to cry for real. You brought up you brought up some things. Yeah, I lost the child oh, before too. So, so when you talked about that, it, it just brought memories. Yeah, and you never know who shared the same pain. And, you know, you at the time when you're going through something like that, you thinking you are by yourself, especially when you're looking at everybody else and they like they're still going. You know, and yours is kind of mm-hmm. open to you in your head. And your mind. Yeah, you never know, I've been there. You know, who, who's connected to you, who's sharing that pain, who's feeling like you're feeling at that time you're thinking you're alone until, you know, you come across things like this, people, like, connect, you know. Yeah. Well, um, I, I really can't speak too much on it. I, too, lost a child. And, no, the people that I had around me, 
never went through that. So, and the one thing I didn't want to hear is that I know how you feel. I know how you feel. I didn't want to hear that. Exactly. People, I got to take a break, guys. I got to do it. I got to do it. So the poets just can, you know, get herself together. We'll be right back. We're going to have Giovanni spit more. We're going to open up the mic. We'll be right back, y'all.
The original poetry after dark featuring Giovanni Marcel, this is the poetess on the mic, along with Chief China Blue. Y'all know how we do. We're going to call out the numbers, how we're going to go for open mic. Giovanni is going to set another piece for us. Um, we have 917-813-847-909-562-413 and 513. And now 912. And that's the lineup, guys. So be prepared so we can keep the mic rolling and everybody get a chance to set. All right, Giovanni. Okay, I'm back. I'm back. I'm good. <laughs> I don't know how long you're going to be back because you went off before I, I did this piece, and for some reason this piece makes you go away again. So please stay where oh, you are. Oh, man. Okay, okay. <laughs> All right. I actually want to do two pieces, and so what I'll do is I'll just do the one and then I'll back-to-back the other one because the second one is 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 much, much shorter than the first one. Okay. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and explain the second one before, because I had a friend who asked me to do a piece about her. She's she's a spoken word artist, a, a poet. She went by the name of Poetic Princess, and she asked me to write a piece about her from what I had witnessed through the years with her. And so that's what I did. And that's where the piece Poetic Princess, which is what I'm going to do second, um, came from, but I found that the Peace Poetic Princess actually personifies the majority of the females who are in the spoken word and poetic industry. Um, and so when I do Poetic Princess, you may find um, as a female that this piece personifies you at the same time. So that'll be the second piece. The first piece is called Even the Rocks Cry Out. My God, my God, Elohim, El Shaddai, Jehovah Jireh, Adonai, Jehovah Rapti, Jehovah Shalom, El Elyon, Yeshua, Emmanuel, oh my And the cries continue. From the top of the mountain where there is nothing but you, God, and silence. To the ghettos and slums where there is daily poverty, hurt, and violence, God must be tired by now with all the screams, with all the cries, pleading, begging, and praying for dreams to come true. He has made a way for everyone who calls out his name, and he never asks for anything from us except appreciation. We lay in our beds and cry out. We stand in the elevator and cry out. We talk to our friends and cry out. We cry out for all the things that are wrong in our life. We cry out for the things we want, the things we think we need. But when was the last time we got on our knees to say thank you? Thank you for allowing me to breathe, to breathe another breath to praise you with. You see, we are so convinced that the only time we should go to God is when something is wrong. And the only time we should praise him for being God is when we stand in church to sing a song of worship and praise. And these days, these days, we are more concerned with the color of someone's skin, what they wear, who they associate with, whether they scream, hallelujah, in church, or dance like David did. But if we were God, how much do you think we could take from children who didn't like each other, couldn't live together in the house we sacrificed everything for, won't stay under the same roof without discourse or even bother to open the door for each other? 
what father or mother has loved their child so unconditionally, so truly, so completely, but we have the nerve to act like we've done something to deserve to wake up in the morning and continue about the day the way we are. If it had not been for his grace, there would be no me. I would have gone on to another reality long ago, so think about this. Even the rocks cry out. If you sit in the forest and listen with no one else around, you will see that because we will praise him for who he is and what he has done, that now even the rocks cry out. The rocks, the trees, the dirt, the grass, the rain, the leaves, the animals, the water that runs through the valleys, and the birds that live in rotten hollowed out trees, they cry out because we have conformed to what other men think and believe. We have forgot how to praise him just because we are able to take another breath when there are so many who didn't wake up today. Ones who have passed on, the ones who no longer have a chance to cry out before they stand in front of the Father who made them, who loved them, and entrusted them with his heart. So I, yes, I am going to take time out to admit my faults, to say that I am wrong for the way I think of my brothers and sisters. The nights I have dreamed of being someone other than me, the way I have coveted my neighbor all because they have material things, because I have realized that those material things are just that. Things, things to make people to continue to believe that riches will get you into heaven. The ways I have judged people when they walk by or the times I have left a brother or sister because I had something more important to do than to sit and listen to them cry about how hard their life is. I am going to admit that I, I'm not perfect. But confessing these things to you does nothing but make me feel better. God is not pleased with me. And no amount of good things I do can cover the bad things I've done, but God's mercy and grace will wipe the slate clean when I ask him for forgiveness. The screams of men, women, and children dying can be heard far and wide. From the alleys and streets, from the bedrooms of many children, you can hear the cries of a child who is hungry. Cries from babies who are not shown love, not fed on a daily basis, have cut scars, bruises on their faces from the abusive parents who they were given to as a gift, a precious gift from God. And it's funny how all of those screams can be heard every day, but when was the last time you praised God loud enough to drown out the negative, loud enough for your neighbor to hear, and even loud enough for someone in your own home to hear? When was the last time your check was short and you stood in the middle of the bank and screamed, thank you, Father, because you have faith like a child and know that he will make a way like he's done so many times before? When was the last time you opened your refrigerator door and saw that there was no food but thanked him anyway, that at least you have eaten something today? Unlike those children who are screaming from the pain of starvation, even the rocks cry out. I, I said even the rocks cry out. The rocks and trees are crying out louder than we, and it's time to be the grateful children God made us to be. Now, stop worrying about the people around us, what they're wearing, what they do or do not have, what their skin color is, or what they choose to call God, because God has many names, and God has many faces, and God is God no matter who we are, should I say who we've chosen to be. He created us perfect. With no prejudice, no judgment, no hatred, no indignity. So I dare you. I dare you to stand up. Raise your hands and say it. Scream it. Cry it. Cry out the praise that our God deserves because Lord knows. I don't want to have to answer to my father when he asked why I never said thank you. And most importantly, as to why the rock had to cry out for me.
Poetic Princess. And they watch the cry for me. <laughs> All right, Poetic Princess. In her mind, she will find hidden hieroglyphs that hold enough characters to inspire a poem. Written in the many pains of life and gains of the struggles that cause blocks. From the queen that lives inside to the princess trying to hide from the past, present, and future poems. For she realized she holds in her soul poems that she hasn't even written yet. A tomb filled with innocence, the stone of hope rolled over it to protect it for the remainder of her days. The secrets that princess wants to hide in faith in case the opposition tries to find it, then she can rise like the phoenix from the fire. Just as long as she isn't exposed as a liar, for what she hides is not a lie but the ugly truth. So while inside that tomb she writes, she writes the hieroglyphs on the wall so the next time someone finds her remains, they will be able to read the pain of the life that she has lived. And even though no cat scan of her mummy will show the scars or even traces of bruises, she was hurt more than once. The archaeologist will dissect her mind, and that alone will allow him to find the dialect that will interpret all those symbols. For she was a writer. Many times alone, beating her brain to come up with the next line for her legacy had to hold more than what she had lived. So she tries to leave behind all that she is and all that she inspired to be, for she was never meant to be a poet, only a historian. For thousands of years, those characters will remain behind the stone, and she will remain alone, trapped by the mediocrity of being a poet who didn't fit into traditional ways. So she spent many days and nights wondering why she couldn't sleep, why she could only eat the words that seemingly were not able to be digested as she contested the title of poet. She started to decay while in that tomb, where pieces filled with gloom and stuff that her legacy would doom to lie in wait of the one who would free it. She began to smell the stench of rotting flesh all the time, leaving behind symbols and characters and pictures of what her life was and how she wanted it to be, exposing all injustices of the world that sent her into a grave while she was still alive. She could have been that queen, but the princess inside of her fought the one on the outside and decided it was best to leave well enough alone because she could not make a difference. She was conditioned to believe that the wrong was right in a sick kind of way, and she began to pray until her knees decayed and her body was frayed to the point that her hands fell off. And then she looked up and saw all that she had written. The last sight she took was that of a writer. For she had surpassed all expectations within her and stepped out of the poet phase. But it took all of her last days in the tomb to be the historian she knew she could be. And she found a place to hide from the pain she had inside. So when she died, there would be another generation and another and another that would know who she was and how she came to be so that she could be like the phoenix rising again from the fire by a piece of poetry. You know I love you, sis. I just love you that much more. That much more. Wonderful. Oh, wow. 
Giovanni Marcel. Yes, Google ma'am. her. Google her. I posted her link up in, in, in on Facebook in the chat room. Definitely Google her. Um, get into it. You know, let's let's get come together and let's let's bring us as, as a whole. You know, lend a hand, people. I know that's right. We're gonna open up the mic, yeah. Giovanni. We hope you can stay on the line with us and and, and keep that energy because I see you that you in that mode right now. I love it. Okay, guys. Um, we have here's the lineup again. Everyone else, if I don't call your area code, you are not in queue. Nine one seven eight four seven nine zero nine five six two four one three five one three nine one two two zero three eight three two. We're going with nine one seven. You're on the air with the poets. It's China Blue and Giovanni Marcel. Hey, it's Planet Daisies. Hello, Daisies. Hi, um, I love everything that Giovanni has read so far. Some of it has me a little bit moving because I could kind of relate a little bit to some of the things that she had to say. Um, and I commend her for all the stuff that she's done, um, her movement in general, um, like how that work. But <laughs> um, I just wanted to... Um, so uh, love and respect to a great woman right there. No, that's right. That's right. Thank you. Thank you so much for calling in and, and uh, shouting out, giving that compliment. Um, Giovanni, you have something to say? I just, every time that somebody says anything about my poetry, the only thing I can say is thank you. You know, it, it's just humbling to hear other people be able to relate and understand because I truly believe that that's what I was given this gift for. And so, again, I thank God that, you know, that it touches other people. Thank you so much for the comments and the words. They're most definitely humbling to me. Thank you. We're going to move to the next caller, 847. You're on the air with the poetess, Blue, and Giovanni Marcel. Good evening, China Blue. This is Poetic J. Harris and Giovanni Marcel. Good evening to you, and God bless you. I've been really enjoying listening to you. Thank you. Oh, that is, yeah. Thanks for coming to us. I always, look, I always have enjoyed listening to Giovanni because she's honest. And brutally so She's forced me to step back and look at poetry And myself and reevaluate Who I am As an artist So that said I don't call myself a spoken word artist I don't It's not right And I started doing this with good intentions Trying to bring people together And I have just been through the fire and through the ringer with a lot of phony people and people just asking out to get paid and saying stuff and not really living what they're talking about. So, hmm. I can dig that. So thank you. Thank you for You're your You're welcome. Please keep going. Please keep going. Thank Whatever you. Whatever you do in this life, just don't quit. 
That's right. <laughs> All right, y'all. Um, that's, thank you for your words. Thank you for calling in and sharing that with um, us and Giovanni. We're going to keep the same rolling. Next caller we have is 909. You're on air with the poetess, China Blue, and Giovanni Marcel. Well, hello, ladies. This is Hartsgoken Nisi, and I'm, I'm not going to read anything. I just wanted to say I really enjoyed your show. And, Diana, Diana I'm sorry I'm saying your name wrong. But, <laughs> uh, G, you, uh, you, uh, you really touched my heart because um, I'm doing, like I told you, I'm doing the same thing with teens, and I know with young kids it's um, – it's easier to deal with them earlier, but the teens is so much harder because they, you have to deal with the self-esteem. You have yeah. to um, tell them what was done to them. It's not going to stop them from living. I have had so many nights of crying. I had so many nights of trying to show these teens that they can make it. And I honestly can say God has helped us a lot in the area that I am that I had one to graduate from college, first one in our family. I have one that wow. has her own business doing hair, and um, we're going to have a reunion where all of them get together. And it's not one nationality that I dealt with. I had all different nationalities, and we're just one big family. You know what I mean? That's and great. what you're doing, what you're doing, God is, is, is. You got people shining around you because. I know it's a hard struggle, but you're going to be truly blessed because your heart is in it, not for some people get in it for the money, but you're in there to save lives, and that's that's your tool. You're doing it through poetry, and you're doing it with the love that you have in your heart, and that's what makes it so beautiful. So Thank you. you I, I just wanted to say I am, this sister is proud of you. And I am going to hold you up really high and say a lot of prayers for you because I know it's a hard struggle, definitely a hard struggle. Thank you so much, Missy. Coming from you, that's amazing because you you are such your words and the way that you do what you do is is amazing to me. I always love hearing you and and your words and just you know feel touched every time that. Anyone, especially somebody that I listen to and and enjoy the art, has a respect for what I'm doing. It, again, it, just, it humbles me to a point where when I wake up the next day after one of these interviews, I have to reevaluate and say, okay, what do I need to do today to keep that vibe going? So thank you mm-hmm. so much. You're welcome. And um, once again, you guys, have, this is an awesome show, awesome show. And um, thank you, Nia. God bless. Okay, you guys, God bless. God bless. Take care. Wow, that's what I'm talking about. Oh, so much love. Five six two. Five six two is next. Oh no, not five six two. My bad. Okay, eight four seven. You on the air with the poets, China Blue, and Giovanni Marcel. Yes. Okay. If you're just listening, put your hand down, press one so you can come out of queue. We're going to move on. Five, six, two. You're on air with the poetess, Charlie Blue and Giovanni Marcel. 
I just want to say, Giovanni, you are the bomb. You know, I was listening to you, and man, some of your pieces are—it just touched me. I got—I got to give it up for the fellas. You know, that's what you a sister that's doing some major things, and the things that you say is is right on point. You know, I just wanted to give it up to you because I was like, if if more brothers was like you, the world would probably be a different place, and that's real spit. Thank you. Uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I just say I'm just thanking you know thank you so much because like I said I I just do what I feel like I can do to change the course of history because you know the you know the uh, definition of insanity is do what you did you get what you got keep doing the same thing and expect a different outcome and so you know I had to change that and and that's what I do. Well, you're doing it just mm-hmm. right. Doing it just right. <laughs> oh, Miss Miss Porter, I got a piece real quick, if, if I if I may. Miss <laughs> Porter, indeed. Okay, do your thing. All right. This one, this piece is called Questions. Uh, they say the good die young, so I am years away if I misbehave. But what if I live straight? Then it is it is a pleasure to meet the Lord. Now, how do I determine fate? How can you tell time on a suicide watch an hour before your demise, half past a lot, or when your body lays in a state of 345? And although you can't change time, you can't change time. So how long can you pretend to survive? How long will you look in the eyes and pretend to be carefree when you're barely alive? And it's no mistake, man, that the shorthand falls on your left hand because it covers over the rotation of your wristband. But when we think about it, what's with all that has taken place that exists in a man? And what if it mutilates the left hand, the long hand? Would you, uh, would it, would you even last long, man? Or is it that it's tight hourglass with a prolonged sand? With every grain of sand and every constant reminder that time is always lost and never gained. And if all my days are numbered, why do I keep counting? Why do I spend days climbing just to leap up the mountain? Why get water from the well and, and drink from the fountain? Why marry her when you wanted to be with she? Why is it that there that you're over there when you really want to be here? Why be awakened when all you want to do is dream? And if the deceased is really resting in peace, why do we really cry when they are ready to leave? And in that case, why not just cry when everyone is asleep? And if heaven above is above, why do we need to get buried beneath? Just between you and me, if they say suicide is playing God, then why consider it ungodly? And those who have chose to reduce time and induce faith, if there is a better place, when and where shall I see his faith? Shouldn't we be in a hurry to see it? Maybe there there is no hurry for me until I figure out what this life is all about. What life is all about and what I want to find is truly undetermined in the time and the test of time. Then you lose the desire for it. And then you want to know more about it until you feel you can't have it no more. Then again, an avid believer is that you adore it. 
like the gray grass is always greener on the other side that people say, what we fail to see is that these are just tricks of the mind. Vanity, envy are just tricks of the mind. Even so, many have it hard to find. But once they lose it, the only thing that remains was a suicide watch. No gold face, no diamond cut, just seconds, minutes, and reflections of what's left. Just us. And that's that piece. All right, Justin. Okay. Thank you for calling in. Um, tell the people that why be awake? All you going to do is dream. Oh, that was it right there. Hmm. Okay, Justin. He don't never want to follow protocol. Tell him we can find you. He is just your poet. You can find him on Facebook, Google him, and he should come up. We do appreciate you showing love and calling in and showing love to our guest, Giovanni Marcel. We're going to keep this thing moving. We don't have a lot of time left, so I'm asking the poets to spit your piece. If you have um, a comment that you want to have, uh, give to Giovanni Marcel, you can do that. And after that, you, after you spit your piece, go ahead and drop the mic. Okay. 413-513-912-203-832-813. Everyone else is not in queue. You have to press 1 to get in queue. 413, you're on the air with the poets. Trying to believe it, Giovanni Marcel. Hey, how you doing? Uh, I'm giving honor to uh, the ladies on the mic, the host, but I'm um, giving honor to the lady that's uh, Giovanni that just spoke. Uh, that stuff was very moving, um, your poetry and everything. And, uh, yeah, that, that really hit home for me because sometimes I feel like I'm doing the same thing, doing the same work, you know, trying to get people, you know, get into the poetry and, and get their spiritual life together. So I just want to commend you and thank you. I'm not going to keep up, well, take up any more time. So. You don't want to spit a piece for us, Yeah, I have this piece that I, I want to do, but I just, um, it's it's talking about, um, it's called Stance, and it's talking about ladies like yourselves, and I'm going to go into it right now. She walks okay. in the room, she feels every step. As she moves to the right and left, aura splendid, invited, aroma extended, the scent of heaven to engulf. You have to be there to bask in her beauty, mental telepathy, body sign language she speaks without uttering a word. Could she be the one or she's divided between past lovers, fascinated with someone last night, maybe a third day under her covers? Those thoughts weigh heavily, but never would deter, still very inquisitive, thoughts revisiting even words. I turn away perpetual notions. In fact, I'm tired of toting, so I'm hoping I feel that her slot is open. The attraction grows in every glance, loving your style. Chic, but never overplay. Great, but your essence, make it a close second. Number one is when I look at your smile, like a fresh drink of water when you walk that country mile. The walk is mean, talking how it drives me insane. The most attractive part would always be your brain. The faithful jewels you brought, the knowledge you would add to that it's unstable as you fought, giving everyone a chance to embrace your ideas to implement. Exterior becomes inferior. Just a compliment. Your mind puts me in a greater trance, standing up for the righteousness, showing us all your visionary stance. And um, that was my piece, stance. And uh. I just want to say I wrote that for women who are 
you know, being a, a role model who's standing up for God and and just who's not taking any any junk off anything, just standing up. So I feel like all y'all women that's doing that right now, uh, that was for y'all. And I'm a, you know, love y'all. I'm out. Love you too, Dion. Thank you. Oh man, it's always a pleasure to hear from you. Please, please keep calling back. She says she do miss you. We're gonna keep this thing rolling. Next caller, five one three on the air with the poetess, China Blue and Giovanni Marcel. This is Romeo Dinati. How you doing, the poetess, China Blue, Giovanni Marcel? Hey, Romeo. Um. Ms. Giovanni Marcel, I heard you on Honey Show, and she tried to get me in, but I had to phone on me, so I didn't get to speak to you then. But your words are very encouraging, inspiring, you know, tells of your strength and the struggle you went through. And, you know, just, just keep your faith and, and keep doing what you're doing. Thank you so much. Um, I'm going to go with a piece. I mean, listen to you. I didn't have to switch it up because I was in a love moment, but I'm going to share another piece. Mm-hmm. I ask that you lend me your ears so I can touch your mind for your heart and enter to your soul with my thoughts. This piece is titled My Tears. My tears fall for everybody but me. On the inside so much that it feels like my soul bleeds. Trying to comprehend the complexity that my cranium's capacity conscious to be insanely sane. Or sanely insane, it's all the same. How can you feel my pain? Never had the father, except for the one up above. Never truly wondered what it would have been like to throw the ball, catch the movie, have talks, teach me how to drive. Shit even showing me love. It's like you're not even a forgotten stranger whose paths that happen across. I can never have a thought of love be ever lost. You took another's life in your demise. But if it was my mom you was with, then my nine feelings will be replaced with hate. Damn, ain't that some shit to say. I can't just say you made your choice. I really don't know if it was your choice to be. Because now I'm a father of my own, and I really see how some of these mothers can be. Now, you're like saying... Gone in the wind, that's your devastating sin. But one thought that might begin, if you was around, would I be a woman bitter and the killer too? Because I seen my mom go through the bullshit with her other dudes. Ain't that a hole in my heart and burn my soul to tell you the truth. But the saying is, you do as your daddy do. You do as your daddy do. You do as your daddy do. My tears fall for everybody but me. On the inside, so much that it feel like my soul bleeds. I try to comprehend the complexity that my cranium's capacity conjures to be insanely sane. Or sanely insane, it's all the same. How can you feel my pain? My mom used to be one of the best. But I guess all kids that had their mom around thought theirs were better than the rest. But let me try to explain why mine used to hold true. When it used to be the greatest bond that can be between two. A mother and her son. The purest love on earth. The knowledge and precision of a doctor combined with the compassion and patience with a patient. Like a nurse. A woman you would gladly buy a purse for. And all kinds of more was in store for the woman you adore. One time I was a kid in trouble. She told the teacher he melts like butter. And after one of her guys beatings, 
told me, if you care about a woman, never hit her, walk away and find another. But she stayed intertwined in the torment that terrified our lives through her. When she got away, she went back. We went back, which made it even worse. But this is my mother. I had to love her. Right? This is the woman who birthed me, fed me, clothed me, sheltered me, put me to sleep at noon and night. But this is the same woman who said some shit to a child, her child, that just wasn't right. Because like, I didn't want to or know how, you pick which order. But getting slapped in the face and told, you're lucky I didn't flush you down the toilet and tell me how that was in order. Much less called for. Before you try to wrap your mind around that, I think I might share a little more. My mama had hands. I seen a chin check a chick once or twice. She had a pleasant way about her. Beautiful smile, fine style, and to me she seemed really nice. The things change. My mama changed. But people really don't change. They are who they are. So the pleasant, beautiful, fine, nice mom, she wasn't completely only that by far. This was a woman who personified stubborn and mean. But this is my mama, a diamond she without gleam. But the same woman that had a scorpion to rent to the black widow venomous thing. My mama, the first woman I ever loved. She got me so fucked up, she might be the only. Damn. I love my mommy. My tears fall for everybody but me. On the inside, so much it feel like my soul bleeds. Try to comprehend the complexities of my cranium's capacity caused to be insanely sane. Or sanely insane, it's all the same. How can you feel my pain? That's my thoughts. Wow, Donati. That right there is extremely deep and didn't expect well, it, you to read a piece like that. Yeah, I know. I, I didn't either, okay. but the inviting myself kind of brought that out. It's actually a five-part piece. I just gave you two pieces of it. Oh, Wow. Uh, <clears throat> Giovanni, this is your time, girl. She she really enjoyed that piece. Please, I can go please, please send me that piece, all five parts of that piece in writing. I well, have two well, teenage, I have two teenage sons over here. One is about to be eighteen, and one is about to be sixteen. And uh-huh. my sons don't realize at this point in time in life what a mother means to you. And and the things that a mother goes through and how a mother has to change depending on the situations in life for right, her right. son. See, I so had a piece I was going to do titled Mothers that I was going to do dedicated to, you know, all three of y'all and all the mothers aboard, but I just felt like I would share that instead. But I appreciate that you appreciated it. Well, we definitely appreciate it. That was deep. Most right. definitely. Uh, yeah, well, I'm, make it happen. I'll, you know, post it up on Facebook or something so she can she can read it. And I would definitely like to read the rest of it myself. Well, um, I haven't, we I haven't got happen. through the other three parts yet. It, it took a lot just to oh, get okay. down, so, yeah. Oh, Maybe okay. If it's just the part that you just read, whatever you have, <laughs> put it on <laughs> in, in a message if you don't want everybody else to have it. I just, I really need Okay, I got you. I'm definitely. You only got to ask me twice. It'll be done. You say only Uh twice, not once, but twice. I know that's right. All right, Romeo. Thank you for calling in. 
I'm gonna fall back listen to the rest of the show. I'm I'm enjoying it. But y'all do a great show. You know how y'all do. Thank you. All right, Thank you. All right, uh, All right China Blue. All right, you all meow. All right, so this is what it is. We got 18 minutes left in the show. Nine one two two. Y'all just keep switching files. Okay, we're gonna do it again. Nine one two two zero three eight three two eight one three seven eight six and now three two three. Um, once we get up to about maybe five minutes left in the show, we will stop at that point, say our goodbyes and, and thank yous and what have you, and then we'll pull everyone else into the archives. You will still be heard. It will be recorded, so don't panic. Next caller, now one two. You're on air with the poetess China Blue and Giovanni Marcel. Well, hello, ladies. This is Yayo. Hey, Yayo. <laughs> How y'all doing? Hey, Giovanni. Hey, yo. <laughs> well, you know, I'm, I'm going to take a quick second. You know, of course, I enjoyed the interview thoroughly. There's so many things that she touched on that I can, re- you know, relate to. But um, outside of that, I'm going to go in here first. You know how I do. And um, yeah. I'm using y'all as my practice again for another piece that I'm doing for the competition. So that's what it is. All right. Um, This piece is called The Introduction. So at 11 years old, I went to God and I said, please, please help me. And he gave me a pen saying, let me introduce you to poetry. My young mind didn't quite grasp it, and I knew nothing of destiny, but I thought it couldn't hurt. So I grabbed my pen, digging into my adolescent soul, and I began to compose what I knew of this life. Some of those words were painful, slicing into the minds of strangers as they eased the weight on my heart. My lyrical avenue was often dark, but it was my way to freedom. So I snatched those freedom papers and continued to write myself beyond degradation. For when the for when molestation was a bastard child I didn't want to play with, I ran to my notebook and we played double dutch with similes and adverbs. We played hopscotch with superheroes and bionic words. We wrote me a new life story where the big bad wolf never got the glory. And I had a knight in shining armor with skin black as coal and all he did was read me poetry. So I continued, writing my way through the crazy wonder years, writing my way through the heartache and the tears, writing my way through school and on to the military. And before I knew anything, I was 20 years old, 21 years old, and the mother of a beautiful baby girl. Then I knew I was ready. So for the first time, I hit a stage and grabbed the mic, walked into the footprints of my birthright, finally going into the skin I never thought I'd fit in, and I knew I was a poet. I created my own poetic superhero, slapped a pen in a hand, a pee on a chest, and called a yayo, and the naysayers couldn't tell me nothing. Now with one published book, one on the way, and a website later, and I will never forget the introduction. When at 11 years old, I went to God, and I said, please. Please help me. So if ever I find myself questioning his existence or his ability, I just remember the Savior he gave in the form of poetry. And that's that piece. Man, yeah, yo, you command attention. I love your emotion and how you bring it. You are great, girl. Keep doing your yeah. thing. In that competition, you bringing in the first. You going to come in first. Don't even worry about the claim. 
Well, you know, I appreciate the love, y'all, so much. And, um, you know, you can put me back over in the corner. This is the only time I will purposely, like, willingly go in the corner. Bad <laughs> <laughs> uh, girl, time out time. <laughs> All right, thank okay, y'all so much. You welcome, sweetie. We're gonna lay yay over and time on y'all. This is too much. <laughs> we gonna keep this thing rolling. She was hot one. Wow. Um, yeah. Um, two o three. You on the line with the poets, China Blue and Giovanni Martel. Good evening, ladies. How are you? This is Cheyenne. Great. Hi. Hi. Are you so Hi. I'm great. Oh my God, I have to say Giovanni had me like almost in tears over here. I'm sorry. <laughs> and she touched Girl, my she soul tonight. <laughs> she touched my soul, um, very much. I actually was gonna do a different piece, but um I do wanna spit a piece. I do wanna tell her she was just great, absolutely great. But um you're welcome. I do wanna spit a piece. Um it's two pieces that I've put together is dedicated to the girls who feel like um they had to conform yourself to be beautiful from what Hollywood um is telling them what is pretty. So it goes first part is beautiful and then the second part is so what you'll hear when I change into the poem. But it's not very long, so um let me just start. When you're a little girl, you always dream of being beautiful. Hair long, nice waist, perfect body, pretty face. But when you look in the mirror, you don't see that. You see dark skin and baby fat. You mask the hate of yourself. You place a smile on your face but unintentionally destroy your health. Eat, puke, puke, eat. You're addicted to this. Your body is on repeat. You lay down with bloodshot eyes. You shove your face in your pillow and you begin to cry. Why, mommy, why? Some days I want to live. Some days I want to die. But never to allow anyone to see my pain. Nobody cares. Why should I complain? When I ride the bus, I always choose the corner seat because in my head somebody's always laughing at me because I don't look exactly like she do. Tears well in my eyes. Why wasn't I made beautiful? Always thinking you could see the pain in my face how my looks to my family has been a disgrace. Trying to hold back my tears, biting my nails out to my cuticle, I asked myself again, why wasn't I made beautiful? Purging, then telling myself it's okay, never realizing it's destroying me more every day. But I convinced myself maybe I could become one of the girls in the magazines, then tell myself again, it would never happen in my wildest dreams. As an adult, I carry on these same thoughts. No matter how much makeup was bought, I can never mask the pain I felt. So I placed my finger in my mouth, my throat burned like hell. To experience my bulimia in my cubicle, tears form in my eyes, and I ask myself again, why wasn't I made beautiful? So what I do, I bust a glass of the television screen because they will not tell me how to be me. So what, I'm not a size three? So what, my skin is not the color of cream? I am me. So what? I may have some acne. So what? They will not determine if I love me. I rip up these pages of these magazines. They are not perfect. I will not let them determine today's outfit, today's outlook. This is the shape. This is evil in the shape of an entertaining book. So what? I'm plus size. So what? I don't get all the guys. So what? I'm a little darker than you. I was always told black is beautiful. So what? I keep my head in my books. 
So what my main priority ain't my looks. So when I'm successful, you'll be regretful. You follow the Hollywood's footsteps, so in the end you're full of regret. I walk my own red carpet. So what? I didn't just land in that private jet. I am me. And truthfully, I am utterly, genuinely happy being just me. And if you don't like it, truthfully, so what? And that's my piece. Thank you so much for calling in, spitting that fire. That's what I'm talking about. We got kick this thing rolling. We got nine minutes left, actually four minutes left in the regular show. Cut it off, and then we're going to pull everyone else into the archives. Okay, 832 is the next caller we have. You're on able to pull it. It's China Blue and Giovanni Marcel. All right, what's going on? It's Keith. Hey, Keith, what's up? Giovanni, <laughs> you're a wonderful inspiration. Just want to let you know that. But uh, let me get to it before I get cut off. You got one call. She. Alright. Well, I think she likes me, but she's living in misery. She uh, watching watching me while conversing with the enemy. The little things she does when no one notices but me. Things done purposely, but only she knows. I see. Oh, I think she liked me. Love letters written across the sky. Letters written in invisible ink that can only be seen with my black light. I say I think, but my feelings are always 99% to be true. The only problem is that I'm Capulet and she's watching you. But I smile as I watch her pacify with perseverance. And when I'm around, she never hesitates to make an appearance. But I know she sees poetry as I see, just for what it is. Poetry, without stupidity or beef, just united front, all of we. A mixture of emotion put down with pen and paper for the masses of the world to see. Oh, I think she likes me, but she keeps her work hidden in certain circles because of poetry blues. This is an art form of beatific language, is everything to gain and nothing to lose, only peace and self fulfillment with absolutely nothing to prove. Oh, I think she likes me, but afraid of what some would say. I'm afraid that if she takes an approach other than the one she's taking, then the one that's posing this family will shut her away. But what she fails to realize is that poetry is a family within itself. There are no sides as poetry resides within me. Poetry is a lifestyle within itself. Oh, I think she likes me. And I know I like she. And that's my piece. Go ahead, yeah. Keith. I'm scared of you, man. Shoot. Yeah, <laughs> keep this thing rolling, Devil. Thank you for calling in. 813, you're on the air with the poets. It's China Blue and Giovanni Martel. What's going on? It's China Blue, Giovanni, Mad Love. I'm going to go ahead and spit this piece. I know you have a lot of time. Now, show my love. See y'all through the archives and the, and the uh, links and stuff. All right? Okay. All right. This is called Boy Child. I am. I am a prediction. I am a quote. I am a man. I am an unheard note until I sing. Telling in my essence of my being from where I formulate in my construction. My cannibal instincts feed only on the living function of being a man, and I am that man of who I speak. Building cast of rejection, simplified by life's directions, not in the up and highs and lows, fallacies of how a mother knows how to be this man, and it shows in the complexions. 
from which there was no man there to stand, but I was taught and I was brought out of a predictable life, a life that had no marks, marked cast of living in strife, a mark for destruction. This firm's back to my back kept me in the medium of the notion that I had a choice to be a man or a boy child. I chose to be a man. Therefore, I am a man, a prediction, a quote. I am a reason to let my voice carry in a manly note. And as I clear my throat to Reese, why I am so, I clear my teary eyes so that I wash away those valid foes from which I have grown. I was a boy, taunting in life captivity, streaming in the fantasies of being able to live in a cold, wet air breeze. And those journeys carried me for a while, and they let me fly over covered trees and kept me fishing in a deserted sandbank of a now, and I was pleased. I was at ease. Until my extremities began to freeze so cold and alone, I felt the bend in my knees. The perimeters of my hindsight let others guide my eyesight so I began to bleed. I never noticed how that blood ran down the side of my face, trickling in tickles, hiding my irresponsibilities. More than one place, I was a boy running, never able to win a race. And when I took off, whenever I heard the pop of a gun, misplaced times of my errors, I was a boy falling into the arms of gullible glitches, feeding on meals and deals of keep those and me and snitches, not forms of laughter, but those who cut me and hinder. And because I followed, I was a walking disaster. I was a great man pretender. I was a boy, shielding my growth in life, being on my own mentor and mocking the task of being a man. I found my own previous ways. I found my own prevailing plans. And in this non-adjacent action, the turmoil casted me time and time again, and it lasted one day too long. Those rainy days fell on my ego, poured down, and fell on me in headstorms, and I couldn't hide and cover. I dripped in the longing of pain. I ran with the mentalities of having fame, short one dollar to none, and I could never seem to gain 50 cents. And in the drenching of a midnight pour, I decided to flip my cold, wet feet on the other side of the fence. And to become a man and ignore my mental captivities are still growing into a boy. Now with my feet planted first in the grass of who I should be, the many aptitudes and aptitudes should now shower in me. They concur with me. They allow my boy's trades to phase, only appearing once in a while to see just a kid in me. And as I play with my seeds, I see now that my life has a season. I know now my meaning is not just a reason why I live. I'm a man. Therefore, I must give back to my family first. I must provide food, shelter, water, and give to anyone that might have the thirst or desire to be a man. I can be that foundation if there's none in place. My shortcomings as a child should not define how I see this race of a boy's child living around me now. I found my manhood solo selectively, and therefore it's up to me to create an urgency for the many lost boy childs to, to lead, to follow, to be a man. So that hand in hand that partakes with a woman can recycle and insurance that this boy child cycle can come to a complete end and stop all the predictions and end the quotes and start the trends of a boy child living like men that can be heard in every bass pitch note that I am a man. I was a boy. I knew nothing, but I now have a choice to be a man. And with my voice, I'll sacrifice the plan to stop that cycle in peace. Mm-hmm. Wow, poets, 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 thank you all that called in and did your thing. If there's none in place, I love that line. Man, I agree yeah. with you when she said that all of the poets was dope tonight. I definitely agree with that. Yes. 
All right, so um, at this time, it's just time for us to say our goodbyes to y'all on the air. Um, but there is the archive point. We're going to pull the rest of you guys in, do y'all thing. If you have mute, hit the mute button because we open all lines up. We will call you from your area code, same scenario. Um, when we call your area code, you can go ahead and switch your piece. If you got any background noise, please eliminate that so we do not disrespect the other poets while they're on the mic. I want to say thank you. All of y'all that's leaving us, we appreciate y'all for coming through, showing your body some love, showing us some love. Yeah. We appreciate it. Don't forget if y'all write business plans and threats and all of that, y'all contact her and help her out with that organization stuff. Let's get together. If you got this talent, this gift, this blessing, bless somebody else. Don't keep it to yourself. Don't be stingy with that, with that gift. Right, indeed. Giovanni, again, thank you for um, doing this interview, coming on Poetry After Dark, and spreading those wonderful Jews around. You really inspired, you've been inspiring me, but tonight I just that much more. And you're inspiring the poets, and that's what it's all about. Please don't change, keep doing your thing. All right. So, with that being said, um, guys, you want to hook up with Giovanni, y'all know what to do. Google her. She is on YouTube. She's on our stage. She's on Facebook. You will get up with her. Um, I'm pretty sure all y'all know how to spell, right? But just in case you can't spell, G-E-L-G-A-N-I-M-A-R-C-E-L. Type that in Google and you will hook up with my girl. You listen to some of her work. Thank you all for Man, look, hey, some people can't stress. I'm just saying. Some they might mess the upon yet. No, for real, though, catch us. Um, I believe we will be back on the air next Tuesday. We're going to be featuring Sabine Jamal. She is real hot poet. Google him. He's real good. And um, thank you all again for, for participating. How we doing this in archives, people? We pulling in. I believe we left off with three, two, three. We'll be next. Um, nine on nine. Repeat call coming back on at five one three. Coming. Uh, Chief, do you want to spit your piece in the beginning of the archive segment? Okay. I can I can spit my piece now. Kick it off. Okay. Giovanni still hanging with us? I'm still here. Okay. We're gonna kick off. We're gonna kick off this archive thing. She said she was gonna spit for me. Don't get all shy and wait to the end and be like, "No, nah, I'm too sad." Why you gotta put me all <laughs> out there? We straight up the chat. All you have to do is look. I am me. You ain't have to. Don't do your thing. We just spit your Uh uh-uh. oh. Oh, you in archive? Touch. You're not on air anymore. It's cool. <laughs> okay. I got to open up lines up before I start. And, um, again, make sure your phones are on mute. Um, if you um, – we're going to go back to 81 – no, not 816. 912 and 813 to check and see if you guys want to sit again. This piece I have is titled Cutting Losses. Well, let me see. How do I go into the twilight pit of mass deception? This is awful night of affection. A temporary whole solar drain full story. Hold me. 
Take the pain away. Give me make-believe. Conceal your weapons under your sleeves. Please take my soul and turn it cold. Leave it open. Allow my mind to start soaking. I left my comfort zone. I forgot where it was home. I left the nest because my world was stressed, and while I confessed, he was there to undress. My body cold set mahogany promises to set me free, thinking there's not many that can get next to this chocolate city. I didn't want your pity, but it was obvious you were after my kitty. Damn, baby, I got whiplash real fast, speedway with no destination and an incomplete application, but I really enjoyed our conversation. Flip mode, perfectly combined, physically outlined, these were the things that I longed for. But it's never green on the other side, and life has its way of changing the design. Because in my mind, you were meant for me, and heaven sent, so this must be destiny. Taking the bitter and the sweet, I can remember the day of defeat. Still no stopping me, because there I was waiting to forgive you. So if you were in my shoes, what would you do? I never knew that karma came that hard and that it would leave so many scars. A deed unplanned, but who cares? It still was with another man. One that filled the hole that you began. So why don't you understand? There is no sin greater than what we lost. Can we get that back again? Time is supposed to heal all things, but can it put back emotion that has been snatched away? You know when you break a glass object, it shatters into a thousand pieces. And no matter what, you can't put it back into its original state. So that, does that bring us our fate? I hate not knowing which way, and I hate that I'm always the one who pays. My mistakes, your mistakes, this is unfair, and I'm in need of some first aid. We build houses and destroy homes to hell with the Superdome because unlike Katrina, we will eventually come to that arena. And oil and water simply don't mix, and I'm going tired of these constant conflicts. I can never be your bitch. And you, I can never be your sidekick. Today I choose me, myself, and I because I'd rather die alone than be intertwined in the love triangle. I'll take single but only not because I have God, and that consumes it all. Good friends, but lovers withdraw. Somebody has to be brave. Somebody has to walk away. And that's that peace. <laughs> Thank you. Can you spit now, Chief? Nah, we got all these other people that's away. Let's go. Oh no, she didn't. Okay, three, two, three. Let's go. Uh, uh, yes. She nice to me. She's hard. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm I'm, I'm fine. It's a, it's one o three. So you know the 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 gremlins come out. So you know. <laughs> <laughs> The grimness come out, so you know, I I I I guess I have to kick off one of these wild pieces that I have in my head. So you know, Uh-oh. one of these wild pieces that I got, you know, and you know, I was trying to, I was trying to put it to memory for the 25th because I thought tonight was that night. So I've been trying to put it to memory for y'all, and uh, so y'all can laugh, you I'm know. And that's okay though, because you know what I'm saying. By that time, I've been unwrote, been unwrote twenty or thirty more pieces by then. You I know. believe you. <laughs> <He> ain't lying. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 
what I'll be doing is, is my therapy. So, you know, sometimes I just I get a little wild with it. Sometimes I get down and funky with it. Sometimes I get with it with the truth and the real. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I try to take it to the all avenues and be on all kind of levels and planes. You know what I'm saying? I just leave wood, wood carvers in the end, you know. But anyway, you know, I'm going I'm to I'm do this piece. So, you know, uh, <laughs> I know y'all going to laugh at this piece because it's, it's crazy. Okay. That's good. Y'all ready? ready. Mm-hmm. Okay. Here we go. Girl, are you the forget the negligee spaces like pussy, the final frontier. This is one voyage of Kelly to boldly tell you, I'm going to fuck you tonight. Suck me up, shorty, while I beam up into you. And between those chocolate sides, at the same time, make, make a phase of orgasm explode between your ears. No need to fear. I'm arresting your pearl tongue and handcuff it with my lips as my tongue stabs at your inner wall, girl. I'm going to fuck you tonight. As I put my fingers in your dessert and finger fuck you like that fantasy you had last night where your mouth was so dry you planned to bake me for my seat. And for sure I'm squirting eons of compassion, contorting your body in ten directions in timeless practice. And when... I look in your eyes. I will go through all four seasons, traversing your mystery, planting my seed in your sacred places, making your pussy see mirror reflections like it is your first mental masturbation. Girl, I'm going to fuck you so hard. You're going to squeeze out jelly beans. I'm going to catch them between my teeth and suck the sugar off them. Girl, I'm going to make your booty and make your mind inflate into confusion so I can watch you exercise your own sexual enjoyment that reminds you I'm your sexual guru and reminds you that I'm the first to make your pussy release hydrocarbon emissions and when you are through dildoing, I'm going to fuck you so hard, so deep, your pussy going to sing Marvin Gaye sexual gift. And when the sun rays come through the window pane with a squeeze of lemon, I'm going to tighten you up and make you calm a dilemma. <laughs> 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 oh, it's Wow. 
<laughs> Callie, how you doing? Hey, what's happening, my brother? <laughs> oh man, I had a I had a a, a a romantic love piece, but damn, I don't know if I wanna. Damn, it's jumbo. What you got? Put it all in the puppy right. game. <laughs> okay.
We just showed our age because we both said Urkin Jerk at the same time. We two, I, we two I know, know, I know, Jill, I know. That was bad. Hey, with Cali, Man, I'm I know about I ain't a real drinker, but I, I sip, so I, I ain't too much that. familiar myself. But I, I know Cali. Yeah, you know what I'm saying again? I sip. Say again? Gio, was that you that said Urkin Jerk? Hello? Oh, was that? Oh, you go. Yeah, they say you. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah yo. Oh, luck, yeah. Good luck on your copy on, on the slam. Your thing. Oh, appreciate it. Um, I'm sorry. Mm. I just called yeah, yeah out. That's because I'm a fan. I just wanted to hit her. I didn't want her to hang up with Oh, she got to ask whoever. I'm sorry. That was my bad. Before this channel, Giovanni Marcel. I don't know who's um, I'm having technical difficulties with this T Mobile charge, so if I get disconnected, I want to say. Y'all ladies, y'all, you know, appreciate what y'all do, what y'all bring to the table. Yeah, yo. All other women online, too. Appreciate Oh, thank you. Yeah, yo, oh, you okay. fit for us. Okay. Um, <laughs> this is the other piece. It's a three-round competition, so I got to have three pieces. And this one is the one that I'm going to memorize tomorrow because I memorized the other one today. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> it's called Woman of the Word. The walls of Jericho trembled, crumbled to dust beneath the weight of faith in the form of sound. But within the rubble, a harlot was there. So allow me to introduce myself as Rahab. You can call me a word whore, but I am the poetic messenger's protector. Or call me Genesis because my lyrical womb is the source of the beginning, the beginning of change. I am Eden, and my pen holds the knowledge of good and evil. You can also call me womanly because I manifested from the rib of poetry, flesh of its bone and Bone of his flesh And don't feel sorry that I bleed for seven days Because in seven days the universe was made So I know my womb can birth revolutions I'll be Sarah Because even when you think my soul is old and done I'll show you there's life in me yet And give birth to poetry, son And just like Eve, I am not perfect But I am one of the mothers in this land of poets It may be perplexing to see that The Delilah in me knows the source of your strength But fear not Because like I said before I'm the poetic messenger's protector like Rahab, I will give you give you a safe place to hide. Put my life on the line when the enemy seeks to devour. Because I won't let not one sly snake get in the way of this movement. Because I know us poets were born to do this. And although most of us may have came from this twisted world's dust, we are not peasants. For our words make us rich beyond measure. Our pens are David, facing the Goliaths in this world. And with each word we write, we slingshot stones at ignorance. We have the power to make Deaf minds listen, so walk like kings and strut like queens and poets. Never forget that the power of words can change things. And that's that piece. Hey. Wow. Oh. Yeah. Yo, if I was like in the crowd, I'd be jumping and pushing people over. Man, yeah, yo, yeah, your poetry makes me want to go slap the hell out of somebody. That's how good it is. Like, damn, right? Right? Yeah, that's how I feel. What? Exactly. Well, thank you. I know sometimes even when I'm writing, I be wanting to slap the hell out of somebody, like other people. 
but you know, that's and not not really pay no attention while you're writing it, but then after you get through writing it and you go back and read it, then you get mad. Yes. <laughs> You you going because sometimes you writing it and you flowing and then when you go back and look at it you know like I'm mad as hell right now I really don't like you that much <laughs> you know it's just it's just one of those things but you know as poets we are very emotional people That's so it's a poet well, I got I got hyped that I got hyped that called me Sarah oh man I was hyped after that I was jumping up and down yeah yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> somebody like oh. Come in. I want to slap you real quick. Come in. That was that's how good it was. <laughs> oh, thank oh, you. I appreciate the love. You, I'm gonna I'm go you back in the corner. Oh, she going back in the corner, y'all. Nine oh nine, you spitting for us? No, I'm just listening. I wanted to hear Yayo do oh. her other part. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> I pull back out the corner. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know she's going in the corner. <laughs> I just wanted to hear the other piece. But everybody's getting down, uh, so I'm, I'm enjoying it. Just enjoying yeah, it. Thank you. Well, the only um, person that hasn't spit this on this line is um, Shana Blue. Hmm. Yeah, All right. <laughs> so I changed my piece to same old shit. Bet. And this piece is just about loving yourself and, you know, teaching that love to your children. Her mama say, you ain't shit, your daddy ain't shit, y'all ain't gonna never be shit. So the little girl sits, she looks over to her right and finds out mama was right. Daddy sitting in the chair, he sure ain't shit. So she looks over to her left and in the mirror finds out she's all she has left. So the little girl slept around the way, hoping someday she hear one say, baby girl, you the shit. Baby girl, you the shit, so ooh, shit, this must be love. So now she's late night riding on the train in the back car, giving the world best brain. Thinking when she done giving him this good shit, she know he got she got him hooked. He ain't gonna never want her to quit. Two weeks later, she catch him in the back of the third car with some new chick, some old black and Asian trick. Now baby girl feeling like straight shit. So she runs home to her mother, who just reminds her of the same. And daddy's not at home, and she knows why, but she's ashamed. Behind him ain't shit. So it don't matter, and her butt is looking fatter. Now she got the brothers tricking money just so they can have her. Mom and daddy then split. So daddy's gone out the picture. Another opportunity missed. But she ain't worried about that shit. She wants some bags and that money. So she pretends to be dumb. Beat Barbie, pink, bunny. So now she back out on the stroll, but baby girl got some bigger goals. More high class, I suppose. Expensive dogs and some clothes. It's got a trips and trendy stoves. So now she's lying, dying to be chose. Confused because he keeps on coming back for more. She thinks she's his lover and not his hoe. He promised he gonna leave her just to be with her. Two years turn into four. He won't answer her calls no more, so she's left crying on the floor. And that a young lady sit. So she turns to her daughter and she says, girl, you ain't shit. And your daddy ain't shit. It's the same old shit. Another opportunity. Yeah. That's it. Before my phone hang up, I gotta say that's a that's a that's a strong laugh piece. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Appreciate it. I would be more poetic, but it's just a strong laugh piece. 
Oh, I, I second that notion. I second that notion. <laughs> I came back out of the corner. I came back out of the corner. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so um, can I request a moment to put in my murderer piece at the end of that one before we get off the, the thought and the track of how we feel about ourselves? Yeah, I would like to hear that. You mentioned that in the chat room. Yeah, go ahead. Run that. Run that. <laughs> All right. I am a murderer. I have to let this out and get it off my chest and confess that I am a murderer. From the beginning, I hated her. I told her she wasn't pretty enough. She wasn't smart enough. I told her she would never be anything but a nuisance. Somebody to get in the way of everyone else's dreams. She would never be good enough. So many times I beat her down so badly that she would sit in a room for days. She wouldn't eat, she didn't sleep, and I loved it. I told her, that's right, you're already fat, so you don't need to eat. And I would sit and watch her get so weak that she couldn't even sit up on her own. I told her, you aren't good in school, so you better not sleep. And I would get deep into her subconscious and tell her, you should be using that time to study because you don't come from a family with money, so your grades would be the only way you could even think about making something of yourself. But I doubt you'll even be able to make it to college because you're stupid. And I went on and on. I beat her down for years, made sure she saw clear that she was not meant to be, that she was a mistake. And I kept beating her and beating her to see how much it would take to break her all the way down. I used to sit and watch her take out knives and needles and lighters to cut, burn, scar, and mutilate her body. There were cuts up and down her arms. There were carvings in her legs, but the biggest scars, were the mental scars I had put inside her head. I would wait until she saw blood to tell her this would be a good time to end it all. In all the pain and shame to do something worth seeing her name in the paper, told her, while you're at it, you should cut deeper, just a little bit more, and you could be done. But she never would. And I got so mad because I worked so hard to get her to the point where every time she would wake up, she had to snort a line of cocaine to even go about her day. And I put so many images in her head to make her feel like the only choice she had was for her to be dead. There was even a time when I beat her down so bad, she had bald spots in her head from pulling her hair out. And when I thought she had just about given up, she reached somewhere down deep and came out with some more strength. So I had to do what I had to do. I started using her friends and her husband against her. I told her to stay even though he was abusing her because I thought maybe he would kill her and make my job easier, but no. He was more of a punk than she. And again, she came up with some more strength. I don't know where she kept pulling it from, and then it pissed me off because she made me look dumb like I had wasted my time. But all the time I was right there in her mind telling her all the things I wanted her to hear. Yeah. After year, after blessed year, I told her she was not meant to be. And finally, after all those years, she got it. She finally understood, and she kneeled before me, telling me to hit her with the final blow so that she could go on to a place where there was rest and she could be in peace. I finally killed her, got rid of her, stoned her until she took that final breath that I saw the look on her face when she was about to go to that place of no return. So right now... I'm kneeling down beside her, 
giving her life-saving CPR, to give her a new start, to unbreak her heart that I worked so hard to kill. And Lord knows that if anyone does, she deserves that cleansing breath. I'm a murderer. I murdered who I used to be, but I'm also a lifesaver because today I've chosen to save me and be the person I know I deserve to be.
Thank you. 